So hi everyone, Matt here with Building Astropad, and today we've got a very special episode. We've actually got our first guest on, Joshua Anderton. Welcome, Joshua. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited. Yeah, for sure. So so far on this podcast, we've mostly talked about our own journey. Well, building Astropad, bootstrapping and building a company, building new products and everything that goes along with that. But we also want to highlight other people's journeys, too, as they build products, create new things, build companies. Somebody I've been following for quite some time is Joshua. And what's going to make this podcast a little meta as well is Joshua also happens to be the person that edits our podcast. One of his <laughs> many hustles is Podmelon, which he does an awesome job for us editing our, editing our podcast. So if you're looking for help with that, check out Podmelon. But yeah, yeah, welcome. Welcome, Joshua. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited. We were just saying before the call, it's it's funny kind of I'm used to hearing your voice and especially like the intro, but it's funny actually <laughs> being on the other side of the conversation. Yeah, it's live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, so I'm excited. Yeah, here. yeah. Likewise, Joshua also has a podcast getting to ramen that I've that I've listened to. And so it's I've also heard his voice. So so it's kind of a weird moment for both of us here that we're we're actually talking on a video call versus the asynchronous nature you were talking about before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Now that like now that with podcasting kind of taking off in this kind of new way lately, and so many so many businesses have podcasts and we all, a lot of us listen to each other's. And so it's kind of an interesting way to keep up. It's kind of different than what I expected the the value or the, you know, that podcasting provides is like, there's this other level of like, it's like a blog now. Like it really yeah, is totally like a blog. keeping up yep. with each other's lives. And so anyways, yeah, it's, it's fun. Well, and that's one of the reasons we started originally doing it is because, you know, I was working on writing some blog posts and I still, blog posts are great. Don't get me wrong. I still, think blog posts have their place, but it would take me so long to write a blog post versus put a podcast episode together so much faster. I mean, of course, you do notes and research ahead of times, but still, at least for me personally, I'm not the fastest writer, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, been a yeah, I know. I, I feel the same way. And it's helped me like get better at communicating my thoughts too, as I've had to kind of say it out loud and, and then re say it and re say it. And the, you know, at the very beginning, it's really, really rough trying to get through your thoughts verbally and, and stuff. And, but then uh, it just gets easier and easier. Yeah, I agree. It's the nice medium. Yeah. And that's actually something else when we first started it too, I, I thought about, it. I was like, well, if nobody listens to this, at least it's good practice. <laughs> you know, it's good practice communicating and trying to get your thoughts together. And so there's, there's a lot of value there for us and ourselves. And even actually people on our team, that was what really surprised me is people on our team listening to it or new people joining and not so knowing some of the older stories and being like, oh, yeah, you should check out this podcast about what happened to us when Apple copied us, you know, hear the whole backstory. That's something I never would have anticipated, but it's been a really good, really oh, good resource. Totally. Yeah. Well, it makes sense too, now that you say that, and I've heard a lot of businesses that do like internal podcasts. Yes. You kind of yeah. have this, like, it's like a, you know, Slack, it's like how, what Slack did for you know, emails, all, all of a sudden, it's really easy for anyone to go in and just like go back all the way, you know, to the beginning and see what people talked about a little bit easier than doing that in Slack. But <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And you can see why like the big, big companies do that kind of thing. Obviously, we're tiny, small, scrappy companies. So our internal external podcast is the same thing. But yeah, let's dive in a bit here. I'd love to hear some about your background and where you're from. I and mean, how you got started doing what you're doing. 
Cool. Yeah. So my background, it's funny, like, I usually don't go back this far, but I was talking to someone about this yesterday and, and they're like, oh, that's really interesting. So so I, I actually initially was in a band. So I, like as a teenager and growing up, was in music long before I got into software and realized that I couldn't make any money at that. <laughs> wasn't, uh, And so then I started building websites because it just felt like something I could do you know, on contract on, on my own time and I could keep playing music. And so it's, so that was kind of like initially, and I've always been pretty entrepreneurial, but yeah, I kind of learned the website because I had, a, had some business ideas and I couldn't find any developers to help me with it. So yeah, so the music part actually ends up being important now that I'm kind of doing a lot more podcast editing and, and even actually video production and post-production, doing a lot more of that lately too. All that stuff I learned in the band days. So yeah, I got into web development, started in front end development and then into WordPress and then fell in love with the SaaS model and the concept of that their recurring revenue. And about five or six years ago, I built Upscribe, which was at the time was a embeddable form solution for Medium. So it just allowed you to build lead generation forms that you could easily embed on your medium blog posts. And that was actually, I think, how we initially mm-hmm. Yep, through Upstart. was Yeah, you guys found, you guys were using that. At that time, there just was no way to, to do that. Other than, I think, I think you could do it with a Google form, but it was really messy and didn't look nice. And Yeah, yours was a great solution to embed on medium and just start capturing emails really quickly. It was like a no-brainer for us. Yeah, it worked out really well. And there was a lot of businesses that, at the time, that were that were looking for that. So when I first launched it, it just kind of took off and there was, you know, a few hundred, I had about 10,000 people sign up in the first year. And this was like the first kind of, I had built a bunch of different little apps that hadn't taken off. And and then this just kind of like, it really exploded in a way that I hadn't expected. But with a bunch of the sort of policy changes and stuff that Medium went through and adding a paywall and stuff, it started to get a lot less appealing for businesses to have a Medium blog. And for authors as well, they just weren't, didn't have as much control over their or uh, ownership of their audience. And so then I started to see things, people switch. And so that was when I transitioned Upscribe to being an email marketing solution and kind of everyone that was using Upscribe was integrating with email marketing tools. And so it kind of felt like the right next step was to kind of pivot to that in that direction, which has turned out to be a totally different than, or a lot harder than I expected, especially with just how busy a market that is. But, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now is working on Upscribe. Obviously there's these other side projects that you mentioned. I'm, I've got Podmelon, which is a kind of a productized service business editing podcasts. And, and then I've also recently started Vidmelon, which is a video production. Love the name. Business. Yeah. Love nice. the name Podmelon and the <laughs> yeah, it was kind of kind of fun. So, but yeah, so that's where that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, so you got a lot of a lot of things going on. I think that's pretty interesting too. How you came from music into the software industry. I think that's surprisingly common. I feel like I've heard not just music, but also like art, design, photography, different things like that. It's kind of like the gateway in for me myself. It was kind of like art and design. I would play around with different Photoshop and things. And then you push these programs further and further. And then you're like, oh, maybe I can do a 
a script and maybe I can do it. And then there you go. Now you're, now you're, you're getting in. Cause I've heard that from other, other people too, that now do software stuff. They're like, Oh, I started with photography and that one thing led to another and now I'm programming. Totally. It's all, it's all making. It's just like that fulfillment that you get from, Absolutely. from making yeah. something. I think just right now that in this is right now, software just happens to be a really great way or software and hardware, of course, seems to be a really great way to make things and also get paid for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. totally. so I feel like, yeah, that seems to be the, but it's still that, yeah, it's still that vein of like, oh, you know, I just wrote this bit of code and now I can look at the browser and there's something there. Like I'm creating something that wasn't yeah, there before. Yeah, you built something. Absolutely. And even going back further for me, like I did stuff like physical stuff, like building, you know, as a kid, like building things out of wood and building things and that just like making all sorts of different things. And then what's amazing about software and even compared to hardware, because hardware, you still got to make physical things is, you know, there's like infinite raw materials for software, right? You get a computer and that's all you need, right? Everything you need is right there. That I guess plus the internet, right? You can find anything you need on the internet and you can just build, build whatever you, you can dream of. It might take you a long time, but really that's, that's all you need. And that's, that's, always found that to be pretty remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great. It's daunting. I think that's a problem that a lot of indie hackers especially have, including myself, is it's like you kind of have this, actually, I think it was a book I read a long time ago, one of the ones that Google released, and they said something like, we can build anything, we just don't know what to build. You know, like it's kind of one of those, like we have everything we need to to make anything. It's just like, what's the right thing to make now? (laughs) And there's so many options and... Yeah, that part is hard. I think that's where there's that's where the you know you find a lot of successes when you get good at actually understanding that part. Like, what what do people need? What will people pay for? And then how do you use software for that or yeah, utilize that? Well, how'd you originally get into podcasting? Yeah, so it was a few so a few years ago. I mean, I think I was actually inspired listening to was it Josh Pigford's podcast so he was he was the founder of Bear Metrics oh yes yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah he had a really active yeah. blog there for a long time too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was also an upscribe customer and I think that oh, was cool. how I first okay. found out about him and he had started a podcast called Founder's Journey and it was just this like it was just him and I think he was just reading his blog posts but it was really really helpful and insightful and so I wanted to do that for a long time and ended up just deciding to you know, stop procrastinating. And I, and I just recorded it with my phone at first. So those first early episodes were just me recording into my phone. I used, oh, what's that? There's a free podcast hosting and editing tool that I think Spotify owns now. And I'm totally Oh, uh, is it Anchor? Anchor? Yes. Yep. There we go. Yeah, Anchor. So I used Anchor at first. And I, yeah, I found that was just, so that was kind of what got me started. And from there, kind of, ended up like amping up the production a bit and then adding an intro and doing a bit more editing and I moved it to transistor.fm so I'd have a little bit more of a serious setup there but yeah that was how I how I kind of got into it initially was just all my commutes to work in the morning I was walking to work recording you could hear cars in the background and stuff but really I loved that it was like I got to use all of the digital audio knowledge that I had picked up in the band days and the music days on this thing that was actually benefiting my my business and my you know my personal brand and so that was yeah it was great and then obviously since then podcasting so that was like two or three years ago now podcasting in in the meantime has just taken off this this huge new wave there 
And how'd you make the jump then to your own thing? So you're doing your own podcast, then to Podmelon and doing the editing services and things for others. Yeah. So Rob Walling, who's the founder of Drip and Tiny Seed. Yeah, he's actually in Minneapolis here too, where I'm yeah, right. as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to his podcast for a long time and he had kind of, he's always advised this philosophy of the the stair-step approach to business is starting with starting with something like contract work to allow yourself to have more flexibility with your time and then and then building products that you can sell was kind of the second step and then and kind of working towards software or a recurring revenue model and so a productized service was kind of on that one of the suggestions that he had and there's guys like you know Brian Castle who runs Audience Ops, which is kind of it's writing. So they write blog posts and it's a productized service, so it's a recurring revenue. But and it is a service, but they're kind of because they're doing something specific, they're able to charge that recurring fee and really automate a lot of it. So that was kind of what inspired me to try doing that with podcasting. Is like this is something I really enjoy to do, and Upscribe isn't making enough for me to to go full time on that. So this seems like a really fun kind of side thing. There's also Podcast Motor, which is a same kind of model, productized service editing podcast, which has actually now been rolled up into Castos, which is a podcast hosting business. Mm, but they were okay. they were doing really yeah. well. And that was kind of another reason why I wanted to, to give uh, this a try. Okay. Well, and that makes total sense with your, as you're saying, your background in music, you know what to do with audio stuff. You know how to use the software and yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like you're trying to do that stair-step model as well with Upscribe, which now as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, we actually did that with Astropad. We started out contracting. Not that we knew about this at the time, but we started out contracting, did that, and then slowly reduced our hours as we became more serious with it and started to get more, more. well, actually it was before, yeah, as we became more serious with it, reduced the number of hours we were contracting. So totally, totally doing that. So where do you feel you're in the, how, where are you in this journey in the stair-step Oh, How are man. things going? You know, it's funny. This last year has been a roller coaster. Obviously, <laughs> this last couple yeah, years has yeah. been crazy for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just aside from the pandemic, also I transitioned to like my wife and I decided that we would go full time on Upscribe in September of 2020, and really give it a shot and see where it goes. And we also at the same time found out that we were she was pregnant with our third kid. And her pregnancies are typically pretty rough. She gets really, really bad nausea. And so what was supposed to be like this time for me to like really dig in and focus on Upscribe full time, I ended up needing to help a lot with the kids. We got two boys who are a lot of work. And I, of I've, course, got, and so, I've got two boys myself. This is something I want to talk about too. Because <laughs> this is also a big struggle. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think your boys are about the same age as mine too. How old are your boys? So my oldest is four and then the younger one's two. So okay. Yeah, my, yeah. Mine are just a little bit younger, soon to be four. And the other ones, I don't know, what is he, like 16 months? Right, 17 right. months? Mm-hmm. So getting closer to two. Yeah. Yeah. And it is just like... Yeah, obviously the parenting side can just go on forever. Like it is so wonderful and the, the having having a family, having my kids has caused me to get better at, in so many ways and even just in being more productive, you know, you know, like I have less time to do things and and you talked about this on a on an episode. Yeah, yeah. And it really forces you to figure your shit out too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I if it wasn't to. for them like before that, it was so hard for me to, you know, I was just so scatterbrained. I, I you know, work on 
anyways, so I'm sure we can get into that more too. But yeah, so because, so she was super nauseous. So I was helping with the boys. And at that point, I probably should have gone like, okay, this isn't like, this isn't a good time for this. (laughs) And I should, I should probably pick up some freelance work or something and maybe take another shot later. But instead, just kind of tried to power through. And so it was really rough, like, you know, balancing all of that family and stuff. And my in-laws and my and my parents are close by, but my older son has really bad pet allergies and they both have mm, pets. And so, okay. so there's also like less of that help. Plus, obviously, with the pandemic, there's less visiting people and stuff. So it was just a, a lot of things. And so, so anyways, I wasn't able to grow it and ultimately came to the conclusion that like, I don't have capacity to be the product side and the, do the development and do the support and do a great job at marketing. And like, I just could not come to, especially in email marketing, because there's so many other options, you really need to differentiate in a, in a market like that. And I just haven't been able to figure that out. And so, so it didn't, it wasn't growing the way that I want it. And so in this last couple months, I've gone back to doing some more web development freelance work. So Ruby on Rails and Laravel stuff. And then obviously also Podmelon and, and still running up on the side as I kind of have been looking for, or have been talking to some people about a few different marketers that I know about helping me with that, that side, kind of regroup and, and go get back into it. So yeah, that's, that was a long way. Yeah, so I can't that's remember what the question was now. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what did I originally ask you? One of our couple of things there. I think it was how the journey with Upscribe's Upscribe's gone. Well, yes, right. I mean, that makes total sense. The development, and well, first of all, being a solo founder in general, that's that's super hard. Because yeah, you're a solo founder, right? It's like you as the. That's really tough. I mean, my my co-founder Giovanni and I have talked about that before. We're like, yeah, I don't. How solo founders do this? Because there's many times we talk each other out of either bad ideas or pull the other one up. When usually, thankfully for us, we tend to flip flop when one of us one of us is really discouraged. The other's like on a high, and then we can you know, pull the other one up. And also, even like when we first launched too, what you're talking about the development, we kind of split, and I went down into marketing mode, and Giovanni went into development mode because it's it's really really hard to to jump between the two of them and do a good job. Oh, totally. Really, really hard. That context yeah. switch is just killer. Yeah, it, it's and it's funny. It seems like it's pretty it, it seems like in the in the bootstrap space especially or community or whatever. It's really controversial about whether or not, you know, you should be a solo founder or have co-founders and it and it's just like it's just like so many it's just like taking funding. It's like it totally depends on the business, Absolutely. on the person, Absolutely. on the and I feel like I I had this like something I had to prove to myself by doing it by doing it alone, and and it's just like and and because I'm I am a generalist, which is I think pretty common as well in in founders, yeah, and no, entrepreneurs. I think that's very common. Yeah, I felt like oh, you know I can I can do all these things, and so I should do all these things. But it's just there's there's just so much to, you know, like you said, like the mental side too. Just having somebody that's working on it when you're not working on it, and thinking about it when when you're exhausted, and you know all that like. Yeah, I wish I had tried that from the beginning. Yeah, totally. Well, it's hard to let go of some of those things too, as you're saying, especially if you enjoy a lot of them and you're a generalist. Like I definitely relate to that. I like a little bit of everything, like a little bit of UI design, a little bit of like deep tech on the background, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of let's do a podcast, let's do a blog, but you know, a little bit of everything. (laughs) And so it can be really hard to be like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to let go. And I'm not going to, which for me these days means I basically don't do development. You know, I'm still involved with that side of things, but yeah, I don't, 
less and less over time. Of course, that's that's changed over time. Where initially I did more, and now just over the years, it's been it's been less and less. But yeah, no, you're right with the solo versus. I mean, yeah, there's no there's no one size fits all. That's for sure. Yeah, and if you can't find the right co-founder either, like you can't find the right person, then then yeah, it's you know don't find anybody just to have a co-founder, right? It's got to be somebody you can really trust. So I get the how you can end up in the solo route too. Yeah, yeah, it's just all of it. It's just hard having a starting a business, running a business. There's a lot of stuff to it that it just seems so glamorous when you when you look at the five examples that you have in front of you of these successful businesses that took off, and it seems like it was like you know, overnight success. It's like, no, yeah, it's overnight success, 10 years in the making, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's totally, it's definitely worth the journey, but it's, it's certainly not something that, yeah, it's not easy. And I think for me, because Upscribe initially, when it was the form builder for you know, Medium, it did, it did take off so quickly. That really messed me up. Cause I just thought, oh, if I just make a good product, it's just going to oh, take sure. off. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fall into that. Well, yeah, you were really lucky with that first. I mean, how did you get the initial idea for it? It was kind of one of those like I was in that place where I just didn't, you know, like we were saying, like can can build anything. What do I do? And so I just decided to pick something. And I was I was in an email marketing group that was run by Noah Kagan and the AppSumo people. And so I thought I'm just going to build like a, a newsletter landing page. So I made that on WordPress and kind of made it into like a feel like a software product when you log in and create create an account and everything and and then I shared it with this community that I was a part of and like three people said it would be really great you know this is cool but it'd be great if I could put this on my medium posts so I thought well that sounds cool and so I looked into it and you know like I had there was no you know, like I said there was like it was just two or three people or whatever that said this and it ended up that there was like a ton of demand for this at the time and so somebody so I finished that released it to them. And then someone shared it on product hunt and it just like, it was like number one of the week. And so that from there, it just, yeah. So it kind of just took off, but, and that was certainly like, I think that, that part of the experience was really good for me was seeing like actually go out and see what people want, like before getting too far into building the thing. Like I certainly, you know, I, I think some people can go in and do that customer research before you have any product that's sometimes a great way to go, you know, the pre-sales and stuff with some, in some cases, but in other cases, you know, maybe you build something, you know, in that case, like I just built something really quickly and had something to show people. And, but it was that actually getting that feedback that was really valuable and ended up paying off for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask how the initial traction, how you got the initial traction, but it sounds like product hunt and that initial, that initial group, which, which is awesome. Yeah, Product Hunt and then some of the Medium employees at Medium did some help documentation. And I still get traffic from that today. And I mean, because it was was for this, for a blogging platform, people are, you know, writing blog posts like, how do you collect emails through Medium? So it was just like built in organic growth there. And so like I said, like I still get hundreds of, you know, hits a month from or a week from blo- just from blog posts that people wrote years ago. So yeah, so that was kind of how it all how it all took off, but it was all very organic. So it kind of made me think that that's just the way that it works every time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that was incredible the way that, yeah, you get on Product Hunt and make it look easy, making the distribution look easy there. Yeah, and so then you, you talk some about how, well, Medium changed, and I know like one big thing for us 
too, and why we moved away from Medium is they weren't allowing custom domains anymore. So it was like, eh, okay, we don't like the way this is going. Among the many other things you said, the paywall and the, and so you've had to transition, transition Upscribe. What's been the hardest part these days with with Upscribe? I think just like part of it is bringing bringing in enough leads, like getting enough trials going, because like, the customers that I do have really love Upscribe. And like what I've done with the pro- like on the product side is basically it's just a simple alternative to MailChimp. So it's cheaper than MailChimp and you get in there and you can see where everything is. It's not like we don't do e-commerce. You don't do like the website builders and stuff. And it just, you know, integrates well with tools that do that, but try to focus on just like a simple email marketing experience. And so the people that are using it really love it, but because there's just so many options and the default is MailChimp, I've had trouble finding a way to kind of bring more people over. So that's, yeah, so that's kind of been the struggle. Yeah, so getting those people, initial people in the door. Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, I think that's a very competitive space. There's a lot of all sorts of email, you know, mailing list, mailing list providers. But the simpler MailChimp is a, is a great idea. It's a great angle because we've been using MailChimp a long time as well. And yeah, it's gotten a lot more complicated compared to, when we first started with it in like 2012 or 2013, yeah, they have all sorts of things in there now, ads and I don't even know, website builder, all sorts of crap in there where before it was pretty simple and straightforward. Yeah. And I think it, I mean, I'm pretty sure they have like 60% of the market share. So they just like, at this point, it's like, how do we get bigger? Well, we yeah, just do more. Makes sense. And you got to like do new things. What else do small it? businesses need? Yeah. So it's like websites and other stuff. Now that... It makes sense. But yeah, also it creates an opening. The existing stuff gets too complicated. So there's an opening for something simpler, which makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So that's been the, what I've been trying to do with it. And yeah, so the struggle has just been like a distribution channel. Like how do I, how do I find a way to, to get that in front of people, get that message in front of people and in a way that resonates with them so that they, they come in and they give it a try. Because once they're in there, like I, I can give them better support than MailChimp does. I can you know, like I can build features that they need. All of the reasons why, in a lot of cases, a smaller businesses or a small software company is is able to compete is because we're able to do all these things that larger companies like that just can't. Yeah, you know, when you put it that way, which makes total sense, it's kind of like shopping local versus going to like a big box store. It's like, well, yeah, the big box store is just general policies and no, sorry, we can't do a refund. It's one day over our refund period, you know, versus the local and be like, you know, I've seen you in here a lot. You're a good customer. You know what? Yeah, we can make an exception. No worries. Yeah. And we do the same thing too, right? Like people email in, tell us their story. We're like, yeah, you know what? We can do something for you. Let's, let's figure it out. Totally. Yeah. So meanwhile, all this upscribe stuff's going on and you're working on bootstrapping upscribe and right. And you've got little kids at the same time. So <laughs> how do you manage it all? Yeah, well, like I wake up really early, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> okay, <laughs> when I can. Well, and that's actually, this is a good example. This week has been rough because like I'll wake up at 545 and start my work. And that's actually usually the kind of day job stuff. Like, so I'm doing the, the contract work at that time so that I can get into having a little bit more flexibility during the like regular hours of the day to do support for Upscribe and Podmelon and also kind of get doing some more kind of promotion of this new video production side of that as well. But obviously, like my wife is still she's 
eight weeks away. So this is when she's most uncomfortable and most exhausted. And so I'm, so I, I gotta, you know, whenever I can, I'm trying to help with that. And then, and then I'll usually around four thirty or whatever, I go you know, do normal family stuff and then get back to work after the kids go to bed and try and get some stuff done at that point. So yeah, that's, and that's a, a pretty common, that's, I think. That's a long day. <laughs> that's a very long day. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't work. Usually, like, like I said, this week, a couple nights where I was, the boys wouldn't go to bed and they kept coming back in and, you know, for whatever reason, they're trying to stay up, stay awake. And so then that keeps me up and then I won't finish work till midnight. And then the next day, there's no way I'm waking up at 545. So then the whole, yeah, I was gonna say, the whole week can, gets thrown off. Yeah. If you wake up at 545 after midnight, that's, that's incredible. I mean, what time, just cause I'm always curious about these things. What, what time do your kids get up then? If you, you get up at 5.45? Usually about 7.30, 7.15. But yeah, sometimes 6 a.m. they'll get up. Yep, and, yep. That's you know, what and time that... my kids get up, 6 a.m. <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> yeah. a morning person. So the morning, the morning thing you do, no, no bueno for me. Not, not going to work. I'm more like start work after we drop them off at daycare. And then after they go to bed, I might do some more stuff. But it's after they go to bed. I can't really do it before. It just it just doesn't doesn't work. For yeah. Me. But well, more power well, to you if you can. <laughs> no. And I mean that's definitely what I you know like while I was working on Upscribe full time for the last few months, that's what I was doing was more of a like had more control over my schedule and didn't have to really answer to anyone other than you know support. And so I got used to setting a different type of schedule. And so then when I had to get back into balancing a bunch of different things and being available at certain time for different clients and stuff like yeah, that's where it's, it's, yeah, it gets tricky when you got the, the day job and the family and the side businesses and stuff. It's like, yeah, kind of have to be creative. So, but yeah, it doesn't always work. It's, I'm certainly not the expert. <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. You're able to, to fit everything in that you do. What would be your advice to other people that are expecting kids and expecting a kid and working on a project it doesn't have to be a business. I mean, it could be whatever kind of project, creative project they're working on. What'd you tell them? I think what I wish that I had realized before was like, just being more aware of what I can handle, like what is my capacity. And I've seen, you know, like Justin Jackson, who's a founder of Transistor and Mega Maker community and stuff. He, he just he just says like don't even try until your kids are out of diapers. <laughs> like just don't. It's probably not you know it's it's, uh-huh. just, it's a lot of work and things change drastically once your kids are out of diapers. And but I think in some cases that's like I, I don't think that I feel like I'm happy with the way that I did things. But I yeah. definitely realize like that's a big part. It's just the kids need another level of. I can see why ideally you'd want to do that, but especially if you're you have multiple kids like. For the past four years, pretty much, I've had a kid in a diaper, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah. you got to figure out how to make it work, right? It's like <laughs> not an option to mm-hmm. postpone. Yeah. Ideally, yeah. yeah. Ideally, yeah. It definitely gets way easier once they're out of diapers. Like my oldest is out of diapers and it's easier. But that being said, I mean, what, yeah, what else? If you're trying to juggle it, what would you say? Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, you just kind of have to you have to get really good at figuring out what the most important thing is to do every day and you just be you got to be fine with ignoring a lot of ta- like saying no to a lot of tasks that 
just aren't the priority. And that's really the only way that you can. And then managing like sleep and nutrition and stuff like and fitness, like that all plays into being able to juggle all these things. And I certainly every day question like, maybe I should just go get a, you know, get a software job. But I just feel like this is the, this is, you know, what I'm, what I love to do. And it's the best, it's the outcome I want or the future that I want. And so I'm going to keep working at it. And so I, so with that in mind, I just have to do my best to try and, and I suggest, you know, that that would be my suggestion is just like, really staying on top of sleep and nutrition and exercise and stuff so that you're and like being aware of your mental health as well. Like I've found, and I've talked about this on the podcast this year, realized that I really have struggled with a seasonal depression and I just thought it was burnout before. Mm-hmm. And before that, I thought it was just because I didn't like working for other people. Cause that was usually mm, when I would, yep. but it's just like, you know, this year when I was even with the stuff that I'm working on that I love to do, I was getting to the point where I just like I just don't want to do this. What is wrong with me? Like this is what I this is what I get energy from, but I'm exhausted doing this and so ultimately that's kind of that's another side. It's like if that's something that you struggle with, that doesn't mean don't do it. It just means like be proactive about managing that and being aware of that and when you and knowing when that's happening and like I'm, you know, trying to come up with ways that I can work on that. Like I'm taking B12 and vitamin D in the morning and trying to get exercise in and you know, it's just figuring out what those things are, but there's just so much more to any kind of like major project like this when you have a family and and all that. So, yeah, that's it's a lot, but that's what I, <laughs> that's what I usually, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what no, I would and, say. And- no, I, I mean, I had a couple thoughts too from what you were saying. You know, I also ran into as well going from working from somebody else to doing your own thing. And then like there's still these like, you know, frustrations or mental illness or whatever it is, you know, you're dealing with. In your case, it sounds like seasonal depression. And it's like still there. And like previously you could like blame it on something else. And and then you're like, well, wait, <laughs> I yeah. don't have a boss to complain about anymore. Like. <laughs> I, I can't, there's nobody to push off the right. And so then you, you got to deal with it. And when you're dealing with this stuff, as you're saying, I think asking others for help, be it friends, family, or professionals, right? Like one thing for us that was huge is we had a problem with our, our boys not sleeping. And like, we thought eventually it was going to get better. It was going to get better. It was going to get better. Like a year passed with my youngest and still not better. He's still up all the time. We're exhausted. We're at our wits end. And it always sounded ridiculous to me. There's these sleep coaches. And I always like wrote it off as like, oh, that's a bunch of like, who needs that, right? Well, really kicking myself for not doing it earlier because we had this consultation with somebody and she made suggestions and like, here's the things you're probably doing wrong that are, you know, that are causing him to wake up during the night and and here's a here's a sleep schedule to try and we did it and <laughs> it's fantastic now they sleep through the night right but it was just like admitting that like okay i should like seek out help from you know yeah family friend professional whatever it is it's huge yeah because it's pretty tough pretty tough trying to you know run a business build a business whatever it is and then not getting good sleep i mean that's oh, yeah that's no, totally the worst. Yeah, that that just like pushes it. Yeah, I I find when I'm not when I'm not getting a good good sleep, that's when I start. I get worse at 
picking those high priority things. And it's just like, whatever is loudest to me, that's what I'm going to work on. <laughs> so, so then everything gets pushed back and yeah. And it's just this chain reaction. So yeah, no, I, I think, and I don't know if this is just like the way that it's always been like in history, but like, it definitely feels like I've felt like in the past, there's this kind of quiet discouragement from asking for help. Like you should be able to just do it yourself. Yeah. And it seems like, and I hope that the case is that that's changing and people are realizing like, yeah, like there's a lot of things that just, you just got to be able to ask help, ask people for help with and, and get better at doing that. So. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you that there's kind of a, can be a stigma both with like, I think it's getting better, but especially mental health stuff, like seeing a therapist or a doctor or like, even like Laura saying, like the getting a sleep consultant to help with a kid's sleep. It's like, well, what kind of parent are you? You should be able to figure it out on your own. Right. Like, <laughs> kind of like look down oh, on it when it, there's actually nothing wrong with asking for that help. Um, and every kid is different. And it's like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, anything else you can think of for new, new to be parents trying to build a new project, build a business, all this, any other things you'd suggest? I definitely think it, I wasn't patient with my spouse in the early days, understanding all that goes into starting a new business. And like, and I should have been because, you know, now that she, she understands, she sees the value in it, she sees the potential and we're on the same page. There's just a whole other level of like, yeah, like some things are, you know, kind of like obvious, like, you know, the support that she's able to provide because it's like, it doesn't feel like I'm taking time away from the family now when I'm working in the evenings, it feels like, no, we have a dream and this is a way that we're going to get there is by moving this forward, but we have to be on the same page for that. And then also just like, it just felt like things started working really well, a lot better in general when we were, when we just got on the same page. And so that's, that's another, another piece, whether it's, you know, your significant other partner or whatever, like whether or not, I mean, look, he he met out my wife, she, her family, like they're not entrepreneurial or her parents in that they hadn't started businesses and stuff. And, and so it just didn't really make sense to her. It's like, you know, why are you coming home from your day job? Like, why can't you just come home from your day job and, and just enjoy your life? Like, and why do you always have to have these, all these side things and these ideas and stuff? And so, yeah, I, I definitely also suggest if that's, you know, if that's the case that figuring out how to get on the same page and be patient with, you know, on both sides, being patient with each other as you're figuring that, that out for sure. Yeah, no, no, good, good advice. And I'm curious, does your family have a history of entrepreneurship that got you into it? Yeah, my dad, pretty much for as long as I remember, has been running his own business and started out in plumbing and then renovations. And and now he runs a landscaping company. So very much like, and honestly, like a big part of why software was so appealing to me was as he came to the, as he moved into the landscaping world and there is that idea of recurring revenue when you're maintaining people's oh, lawns and maintaining sure. their yards. Yep. And and just seeing how like you can get like an annual contract and and you actually know what you're making there and stuff. And yeah, so definitely he was a huge inspiration there for me. And he helped my brother, my brother and I start businesses when we were younger too. And so that was that was the only way I knew. Like that's how I just thought everyone lived their life was was striving to not have to work for someone else. So, so like, yeah. So that's definitely like how I grew up. Yeah, very ingrained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Well, you know, I wanted to ask you too, now that we're wrapping things up, anything else that we, we didn't cover that you'd like to mention or any creators that inspire you that you think we should check out? Yeah, you should definitely listen to the Building Astropad podcast, <laughs> if you're not already. <laughs> Clearly you are. Yeah, man, yeah, there's there's so many great, like, you know, I mentioned Justin Jackson. So Justin Jackson and John Buddha, they've got a podcast called, called Build Your Sass. And we and use them really for good one. Yeah. hosting as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, great product, great support. They went through their whole journey from the right right from the beginning on that podcast. And that was really inspiring for me to listen to. I definitely suggest going going back and listening to that one. Man, yeah, now that I and you told me that you're gonna ask me this and I still can't think <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Like, but yeah, who else? Yeah, Josh Pigford, I mentioned his yeah you know, his stuff was you really mentioned Rob Rob Walling too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I did mention all that. <laughs> you did. You did mention some people. How about, yeah. how about some others and get any others that. Yeah. There's a, a bunch of other creators kind of in the community that it's interesting and like, especially in this bootstrap kind of space, there's a lot of indie hackers where we are like yesterday, I got a message from someone who was like, Hey, I, you know, you just, somebody just signed up for my product and they said it was because of your podcast. And I was like, Oh, that's so great. And so there's, People like Val Soapy, who's running Blog Static right now. He's just started a, this new blogging platform. And Noah Noah Bragg is running Potion, which is a website builder for Notion. So you're able to like, really oh, okay. turn a Notion page into a nice Huge website. Huge fan of Notion as well here. Yeah. Oh, lot. yeah. Same. Oh, man. We use it actually to cut down on some meetings ourselves. We use it for, or to make meetings more productive where we do like status updates yeah right Mm -hmm. and so it's like rather than your typical go around the room what are you working on it's all written down so like it's more discussion about those things rather than like all right let's listen everybody give their status update right and then we use the comments feature to respond you know to people when they have questions and the status updates and just saves a bunch of time tons of time Mm -hmm. love it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the ad reform was the last company i was at with kyle canero and landon bennett they're actually they have a podcast called Made with Grit, which I, which is another one of the podcasts I work on. They have a really cool story, but yeah, working for them, they have some really great systems with Notion, and they've written about it on their blog as well, and all the different ways that they use that for just like everything, like work calendar was in there, you know, or you know, out of office calendar, the like tasks and projects and roadmap and everything, and it was it was really nice to have that all in one place. But yeah, anyways, yeah, that so that's definitely another. Some more creators there that are certainly worth checking out. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. And for people that are interested in finding more about you, where can they find you online? Yeah. So I've got a personal website, joshuaanderton.ca. I'm on Twitter and upscribe is upscribe.net if you want to check that out as well. But yeah, all my other projects and stuff are on on my personal website. so, So that's all there. But yeah. Yeah, great, great. Well, thanks for coming on. It's been uh, it's been fun talking. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's great. Thank you so much for having me. All right, bye-bye now. 